Environment Matters, sponsored by Wuka Period Pants, the reusable menstrual underwear that completely replaces disposables. Find out more at wuka.co.uk and join the revolution. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St. Albans and from further afield. Now, first of all, I'd like to give my congratulations to all of the finalists in the Green Business Award category of the Chamber of Commerce Business Awards, proudly sponsored by 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. At the award ceremony last week, Electric Blue was announced winner, narrowly beating other finalists, the Blue Spec, the Refill Pantry, Earthworks and Mama Bamboo. All great local businesses that have their roots firmly in making us more sustainable, but are also doing good business and boosting local employment. And if those names sound familiar, well, that's because they have featured here on Environment Matters and you can still hear the podcasts of those shows if you go to the podcast page of the Radio Verulam website, radioverulam.com. Now, with roads gridlocked at least twice a day, air pollution causing 100 premature deaths locally each year and issues around low activity levels in children, it's clear that St Albans needs a healthy streets network. And whilst that's easy to say, finding the solution to how we achieve that seems to be a whole different matter. Well, solutions is just what my guest this week is finding for communities all around the country. Brian Deegan is one of the UK's leading street design engineers and was co-author of the London Cycling Design Standards. With a background in engineering, he has also led high-profile policy and planning projects. He helped develop Transport for London's Healthy Street Check, a key tool in designing for healthy streets and helped to ensure the design quality of all projects associated with the London Mayor's £1 billion cycling and healthy streets programme. And a packed house at a recent St Albans cycle campaign meeting all left excited by his ideas. He joined me to share some of those ideas. Brian, thank you very much indeed for joining me. So here in St Albans, I mean, we do have the odd bit of cycle path here and there and there's the much vaunted green ring, but nothing that you call a cycle network. Where would you start if you were tasked with setting up a cycle network somewhere like this? Yeah, well, that's what I, I covered in the talk the other day. What are the first steps? You can kind of wait for developments to happen and put in little bits here and there and, and hope it'll all join together at some stage in the in the next millennium. Or you can start kind of planning in a coherent way. So, so what I talked about the other day, well, what are the first steps you do? And, and, and do this across the country, do a, a walking and cycle network planning sessions. And rather being scientific about it, I get out some coloured pens. I start off, give everybody a red pen. Tell me everywhere it's bad. Yeah. We'll start from there. So we can acknowledge what the existing situation is and go, okay, that's too busy, that's a rat run. Actually, that's where the railway line goes. That's a rail- These are all the barriers. So we start from the barriers rather than where can we do a route that goes so far, so good in there. So we start from the barriers and then say, okay, well, that's, that's the issue in there. But look, the majority of the streets and the roads, and I find this everywhere, 80% of them are good to use. So then I go, well, well, let's connect up the good with what's good. So where can we put a crossing in across these barrier roads in there? And we start from that plotting points. And just by strategically putting points in, people see that you can open up whole areas of the of the area and the city and your towns in there just by strategically placing a few points that connect in there. And that, for me, is the way to start. For every crossing we put in in London, it opened up huge amounts of cycling and walking options in there. So 
I start from there, really, okay. and then I build on top. So, Brian, you live in Harpenden. Could you give us an example, something that you do in Harpenden to get things going? Well, I've I've only recently started getting involved in uh, in Harpen and politics, and tra- which you know it should be Harpen and transport, but there's always politics that comes first in there. Yes. Um, mainly because uh, I've lived there for 15 years and just been making my way around, and, and I kind of used to kind of fairly hostile situations in, in cycling in there. But I've got two young kids now. I've got a six and a four year old, and I'm riding around with them. And I'm starting to think to myself, I really should do something about this town. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yes. I get asked to work all the way around the country, around Europe and the world and stuff to advise in it. And yet the own place, my own place that I live in is, is pretty hostile as a cycling environment. So I've started engaging. I worked on the Harpenden Network Plan. Uh, sorry, the Harpenden Plan, the neighborhood one. Yeah. Um, so I started like making a few like inroads in there. And really my talk the other day was a, a, a way of connecting with the the local cycling campaign and to see what's going on how can I help you now I've got this ton of knowledge I've built over a thousand cycling schemes out there I should be able to help there so I'm hoping we can do something in Harpenden right. and St Albans okay well that sounds excellent um I mean I'm just thinking about um just thinking about some of the some of the barriers that people talk about um you know even if you're only just starting with crossings and things it costs money doesn't it where does the money come from for for cycle network well one like if, Money comes from political priorities. Everybody's got budgets that they work to, and then people say, oh, where's the money? You don't put money towards it if you don't care about it. If you feel there's a need and people are asking for it, then the money comes. I've always said this in London, money's not our problem. It's getting somebody to spend money on on a cycling scheme in particular that's the difficult one, because as soon as you say you're doing a cycling scheme, not that there really should be anything you know, there shouldn't actually be a cycling scheme. It should be a scheme that works for everybody. But as soon as you say that word in there, there's going to be tons of correspondence. There's going to be like uh, everybody fighting against it. You're going to have issues, walk on the councils, all that kind of hassle in there that wouldn't have happened if you didn't actually put any money into do cycling. Right. So the the issue we've always had is like getting people to spend on something that changes the status quo away from cars. That's the hard thing. Right. If, if I was going out, let's let's resurface the roads. Here's a pot of money. I'd get it all spent like the next day, if I say, oh, can we do some kind of segregation for cyclists in there? Can we filter this road for traffic in there? Then all the alarm bells are going. Right. So it's not necessarily money, it's more will. Right. So so do you think we're better steering away from the word cyclist? Well, I mean, it certainly helped in London when we were talking more about healthy streets. And a healthy street is a, is a design that encourages people to walk or cycle or, in fact, use public transport in there. That's certainly been uh, more helpful to join up with our allies. Anybody who wants, like, quality, healthy, livable streets in there, start using those kind of, that kind of language rather than, I'm going to put a cycle track in there, it's going to take away parking, it's going to take away provision from the street. Suddenly everybody kind of gets a bit negative around that word. Although, like, uh, I'm a cyclist and I cycle and I want people to use cycle networks, I, I never really explicitly say that word without either walking going with it or under the banner of healthy streets. Right, so so, so actually, although you are talking about a cycle network, you're really actually talking about making um, making roads or, or making a network so that people can travel more, more healthily, I suppose. When I say people, because they might be people walking, there might be people cycling, there might be people jumping on a bus. There's still people getting around there, aren't they? Yeah, that's it. Fundamentally, it's about giving people an alternative to the car. Yeah. 
And we can all say, oh, you should believe in your car behind and climate emergency. But at the moment, it's a hostile environment that people are, I hate using that phrase, but it kind of is when you're walking and cycling around there, everything's been like tailored towards the movement of private cars. And so until we address that and give people an option, and that involves building things, but it's everything I've ever built for cycling has had a massive benefit, official effect for people walking in there. And usually I try and give a benefit for public transport when I do that as well. Okay. I mean, the other thing that people say is in a bit of short supply around here is space actually we don't have space for well for wider pavements or particularly for cycle paths Uh, I mean aren't they right about that well it tends to not be true (laughs) I have to say like it's a question of priorities in that okay so if you're going to have like two lanes going each way and you're going to do parking in there then we're running out of space a little bit. There's no doubt about it. When there's going to be like a hatching in the middle of the carriageway to enable anybody to right turn without slowing down cars behind it, if you're insisting on things like that, yes, there's not much space left. But other places and other cities in the UK and around the world going, actually, yeah, if we, if we ban that right turn or we or we do it so that they slow cars down to make that turn, then that's another three or four metres of space that I can tie into a footway, make a bus lane out, put some cycling provision in there. So really, it comes down to priorities, really. If you're going down a residential street, then it's just a question of making it quiet. You're not going to put segregation in, so you don't need the extra width. But if you're on a major road, it's usually, and there's plenty of major roads around St Albans in particular, where there's tons of central hatching. I used the other day the A5 as the example well, you've got six metre wide central hatching all the way down it for for the majority of its length. You go, oh, where's the space for cycling there? All right, cut that in half and stick it on either side. You've got yourself a track and provision in there. So for me, it's more a question of priority. Uh, nobody in the world has much wider or narrower roads, and it's just one of those easy to go to excuses for why you won't do it. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I suppose that's another point as well. That okay, so we give people safer crossings, give them a little bit of space on the side of the road or whatever. Is is it that going to be enough to get the enormous modal shift away from cars that we need? Shorter. Well, to be technical about modal shift, I did a a 10-year research project for the Institute of Civil Engineering when I looked at um, 2001 to 2011 infrastructure in London and seen what what made people cycle more or walk more or or what actually put them off and then what actually improved the the safety provision as well. So we looked at it and we tried everything in that period. We were building all sorts of stuff in there, but it was a kind of magic combination of people that did crossings, people did some kind of like low-traffic neighbourhood stuff, the filtering, and they tied it in with main road um, segregation as well. So looking at that research, we applied it to the Mini Hollands in London. You might have heard of the stuff in Walthamstow. Now, that's basically using that model in there. But this time, we recorded it all to see... You know, and we monitored it to see what the changes were. And a lot of that monitoring has come out now. And we have got the mode shift that we wanted. People are shifting from cars. People are living longer and healthier lives in there. So we think we've got a little bit of a blueprint that works for us. That's why I always say it's the combination of the three. Because when we tried them individually, they didn't work. So, for example, in Hackney in London, concentrating on doing like a just-filtered neighbourhood stuff in there. But he had lots of collisions on the main road. So you say, actually, that isn't a real safe oh. mode shift. That's, that's not perfect. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, if you do the segregation and you do the filtered neighbourhood, and you can actually cross across the barriers in there, that combination seems to work well. So I'm swearing by that. That's the... Uh, the model that we applied across the whole of Greater Manchester and I've just done the uh, South Yorkshire with it as well. So it's that kind of model that right. seems to be the most effective at promoting mode shift. OK, so, I mean, the, the message I'm getting from you, right, actually, that the kind of things that we are struggling with here in St Albans, other people in the rest of the country, in the rest of the world, 
also have struggled with and they've found solutions. Absolutely. We found solutions right in the UK that work in like the spaces that we've got, in the streets that we've got. I get a lot of it now with working around the rest of the UK. We've got, oh, well, that's that's London. And then like we've got, well, actually, it's Waltham Forest and it's kind of out of London. It's quite quite similar to here. And then people in Waltham Forest have gone, oh, that's central London stuff in there. And then like it, you always want to kind of pass it on there. But it is the same issues. And then we've got examples and then we've got like a process that that we think works now as well. So there's a question of like getting everybody to get their plans together. And then we can go to government, which is really what my aim at the moment is say, look at all these plans that people have got. We know that it promotes mode shift in there. Let's let's do it. And that was my question to the St. Albans Cycle Campaign and the councillors and the, where's the plan? And they go, oh, we haven't got the money for get a plan. You'll never get the money unless you have a plan. So, like, start putting it together, really. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's the approach. Excellent. So, uh, well, I mean, should we be getting in touch with our councillors and saying we need a, we need a, a, a healthy, not using the cyclist word here, we need a healthy transport plan? Is, is that the kind of thing that might help push things on the way? What do we do? Well, absolutely. Well, when it comes to putting a walking and cycling like strategy and plan together, that's really what I've been doing around the country at the moment in there. And for me, it's a question of getting down together, working where everybody knows about the local area and coming up with it together, coming up with some kind of plan for giving people an alternative to car use in there. And like uh, like I said, I did the whole of Greater Manchester in 10 two-hour sessions and we had a plan for the entire region in there did uh, the whole of South Yorkshire last week. It took me 20 minutes to do Harpenden in there. But what, what I like to do is put the pans in the hands of other people and local councillors and, and stakeholders and planners and regen and interested people walking and cycling, come up with a plan together. And then it's like the community's plan that we can push on with in there. So it's a question really of, of starting. Yeah. <laughs> so like we can like wait for like some kind of sporadic stuff to come together in there. We go, well, what are the big things we need in there? And certainly with the current government, I think if you go, here's the plan, it's legit. It's been brought up from the ground by stakeholders in there. We've got it there on the table. Here's the kind of costings for it. You know, you're, you're good to go rather than asking for one-off things and not really joining it up, which isn't really getting us very far. No, it doesn't seem to be. Well, it, you make it sound tremendously easy, Brian. You really do. It is. Uh, <laughs> really? Um, let's let's hope that if you've managed Harpenden in 20 minutes, perhaps, I don't know, it might take you... Um, perhaps 45 minutes to do St Albans. Well, I said that's the planning. The yeah. building's a different matter and they're, and they're going through there. But, yeah, we should be able to plan our way out, out of the mess pretty quickly. OK. Well, that is fantastic to know. I love the way uh, you're, you're so positive about this and, and make it seem so possible. Brian Deegan, thank you very much indeed for joining me. Pleasure. Oh, it does, doesn't it? Just make it sense. So, well, of course, other people have done it. We can do it too. Well, if you share Brian's vision, then you might like to join St. Albans Cycle Cycle Campaign and you can find them online at stacc.org.uk. And of course, it's the kind of thing that we should all be mentioning to politicians when they're sort of asking the kind of things that we're looking for. Now, if you fancy a gentle five-mile cycle on traffic-free or quiet roads, then Five Miles to Fabulous is for you. Um, they're friendly rides at a pace to suit everyone, and they usually take in a cup of tea, something else of interest, like perhaps an open arts DJ or church flower festival, and it's it's mainly a women's group. Um, the rides are capably led by the lovely Rona and Teresa, who are South Hearts cyclists, which is part of Cycle UK. Now, the next 
five miles to Fabulous is on Saturday the 16th of November. Um, it starts at 9.30. Um, they meet at Morrison's. Um, and as Rona says, she says, we gather under the Hatfield Road frontage canopy rather than by the cycle stands as it's a bit more roomy and out of the rain. And for that ride, there will be a standard five mile ride and a further faster option if that's for you. Now, um, cycling and walking usually features in the St Albans Sustainability Festival, which next year will run from the 23rd of May to the 7th of June. You remember that the festival consists of a couple of weeks of events run by all different groups, businesses, organisations, schools, playgroups, faith groups, parish, uh, you know, really, groups of neighbours. There's no limit, except that the event must be aimed at making us here in St Albans a little bit more sustainable. Now, I'm telling you that now because you need to start thinking about your event for next year. A closing date for registration your event will be in January and tell me I'll tell you the time goes very quickly between now and then so get your thinking hats on and start thinking about it remember Aylet's Apple Days this weekend Radio Verulam will be there look forward to seeing you um, do listen in I'm going to be back at the same time next week but until then thank you for joining me Environment Matters sponsored by Wuka Period Pants the reusable menstrual underwear that completely replaces disposables. Find out more at wuka.co.uk and join the revolution.